0: Welcome to Green Focus, a new podcast that aims to discover and showcase transformative Israeli green technology in order to understand it better and help leverage this technology to make a positive impact on our planet. Each episode will take a fresh look at the innovation and business impact happening in the green tech sector with guests including VCs, founders, technologists, and climate activists. In these conversations, we aim to discuss the pathways for leveraging cutting-edge innovation to attract investment and do business globally. And now, introducing the host of Green Focus and CEO of Focus IP, Yaron Damelin.
1: I'm Yaron Damelin, the host of the podcast. But today, we're turning the tables. Today, we've got Robert Curtis, the executive producer of the podcast, and he will be doing the interview and uh, interviewing me, trying to get some thoughts and uh, ideas on the table. And so as a, as 2022 closes, uh, here I am, Yaron, and there is Robert. And Robert, how should we do this? How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well, and uh, thank you very much for allowing me to sit on the other side of the camera for this one and uh, um, shed some light on your story and some of the work you're doing. So I'm excited to have the
1: conversation. Okay, great. It feels like there's a hot mic on this conversation because I'm kind of just going to let things fly. So uh, tell me what you want (laughs) and I'm going to try to give you something that I can give from my side.
2: Amazing. Okay, so look, let's dive in. And uh, I guess the, the first question for me about the podcast, just before we dive into some of your work is... Um, You know, how have you enjoyed doing the podcast? You've had on some really great guests and they've all shared, you know, I've had the privilege of listening to all of them. They've all shared insights on big trends, data, finance, business, all connected to everything green, green tech. And uh, I'd love to hear how you found it. What have you enjoyed from it? And what have you learned? Um, First of all, it's
1: kind of been a privilege because It's put me in the position of being able to schmooze and meet with some great people, um, really leaders in the space uh, who are making a difference. And somehow I was able to just have a nice, cordial, fun conversation with these people and each one coming with such a different angle. Um, You know, I started this podcast um, focusing the series on Israeli technologies and um, a kind of inspiration from Israel. And I haven't been disappointed. There is such a wealth of human resources behind the scene. Um, I was just touching the surface, but I was very privileged to be able to have uh, had an audience with these people. Um, you know, and I, I think you've probably had the opportunity to listen to it more than I have since the podcast, <laughs> uh, which is probably the nature of the beast. And um, so, I, I'm hoping you've got some more insights for me because I still need to go through and um, mine out uh, all the nuggets of diamonds which are hopefully in these recorded texts and recorded messages.
2: Yeah look I think I learned a lot about the importance actually and I think this is a key mantra of yours and I know we're going to talk about this in the the 10 green commitments is the importance not just of providing solutions um, with, through technology and other channels but that those solutions have to be properly funded and it needs to be business orientated and profit orientated to make it work. This isn't some sort of like, you know, constant holy grail of business that, you know, we don't need to make money out of it because we're greening the world. No, it's actually as a result of bringing profit to the table in these stories that we will be able to be more successful in it. I think I really got that out of all of the messaging. And, you know, I think back to... You know, Anne Baer, for example, what an incredible podcast that was. With you know, she's a serious leader in her space, and her insights on you know population growth and density of population, um, and how that impacts, and 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 her. I guess she actually gave me more hope than anything else because I think I feel as a you know a regular Joe blogs on the street helplessness around this topic what can I really do to make an impact here what's little Robert gonna do fine I use less plastic fine I'll take more public transport is that really making a difference and I think actually she gave me hope that actually it does and if we all do these things and we all have that sense of um motivation um yeah. there's there there is a, a positive future that's that's what I took anyway and the Jack Levy episode at the end was phenomenal I mean brilliance, absolute brilliance
1: in that conversation. You know, I want to just get another take because I kind of came out on the other side of the equation because um, I kind of entered it in uh, the series as um, kind of more taking an ideological stance, all right? What we can do and how little Yaron and uh, and Big Rob can make a difference. (laughs) Um, And yet, um, I became empowered through the series to... Once again, emphasize the, the massive change I think we can make, especially using technology, using platforms, you know, using big systems. Um, and that's my kind of turning to the startup community and the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial community um, has filled me with more hope because great minds and great um, you know hearts can I think make substantial denting on this process. And I think yes, we can turn this around. Yes, we can do it. So that's the feeling that I'm leaving with.
2: I, th- I think what's interesting is also your personal motivation. I'd love to dive into that a little bit more because, you know, on on some of your your personal profiles, on on the document of the ten commitments, you say you're a lover of humanity and our planet, and I want to marry that up because that <clears throat> first of all it came through in the podcast the, the the seriousness with which you take this issue, but the genuine love. Of people in the planet that you have within your own dna where where did this come from because you know ip consultant business person um you could go into many other areas to ply your trade um what motivated you to start to focus on this area excuse the focus pun yeah we don't overdo the focus part but um
1: you know um end of the day we're just sitting here talking about little actions and about big technologies. At the end of the day, it's going to be on us uh, people, on a couple of billion of us people. Um, because we actually are the ones who kind of have inherited this planet. And here we are, we're the ones making impact, some of us in small ways, some of us in big ways. But if we don't work together, you know, if we get too hard-headed and opinionated about how, and not um, you know. You know, but about the style of us working together and cooperating, then I think we could just be, you know, in a sense, um, fighting another human war. Humanity been so full of great ideals and yet find themselves in so much of a mess because we often f- turn on each other. Um, we turn our energies and our efforts into creating technologies that can hurt other people, etc. And that is, I've always found the biggest danger. And The biggest danger is our disunity. Um So even though we have a major threat and a challenge for all of us to face, some people are calling it the biggest challenge that humanity's faced because it's our own home, which is being our planet, which is being attacked or self-inflicted. But if we turn on each other and we kind of all carry on this tendency to be selfish and arrogant um, and only worrying about our little uh, fences and our little homes then we are seriously putting ourselves in danger as a species and as a planet and so part of the motivation here is tapping into our genius and our creativity and our innovation etc but in the spirit of cooperation again okay? that spirit of cooperation is critically important i mean i think today you know looking at america for example in a sense tearing itself apart okay by these two camps split 50-50 Um with different narratives um, on the way on on the reality of the world, okay, but tearing each other apart in a sense. That disunity threatens to really disrupt things because then we can't set agendas and we can't actually agree to the obvious things we can agree and we can have consensus with. And we all want to we all want to live in a nicer world. Okay. I think that's so clear. We all want to live in a prettier and nicer world, aesthetically, even, and with good air and with decent water, right? Now. Surely those are consensus points that both Democrats and Republicans, you know, and uh and different stru- streams of Judaism and uh and Christianity and Islam and, and, and those are right wing and left wing can can you know volley up against. So so that is in a sense where I'm coming from um as a humanist. Yeah, we really the we gotta see the challenges of the environment. Um how it's exposing people across the spectrum, across denominations and and wealth brackets to to distress, um, and I think we could we should learn. it, We should be seeing that. We should be understanding that. We should be sensitive to that as humans. So that's why I'm starting off for, from something which seems to me an obvious beginning to anchor to. That's where my beginning starts.
2: I I guess this this year particularly brings what you've said really home because obviously we've got this war in Europe again that, you know, no one really expected, you know, 70, 80 years of peace on the continent of Europe. And now that's shattered. And as a result of that specific war, I think the need to come together by what you're saying is more prevalent than ever because I think the green effort has probably been set back as a result of war. Um, We've seen energy prices go up. We've seen the need for energy, um, um, independence be uh, on the table as a conversation. And so countries have had to look insularly and say, well, how do we keep our independence from the rest of the world? Because of these black swan events that come through. Um, like with Russia, where we got too dependent on them. We should never have have done that strategically, but we are, we are where we are, not where we want to be. Um, so I think your message is absolutely true, but it doesn't feel like the world is in that position right now. It feels like we've become more polarised, more separate, more independent, more nationalist. And we know that this is the one issue that won't get solved, by doing that
1: great question okay um i'm thinking the other side okay that what this year has shown us um, is that we have to be realistic okay so whereas a year before before the war in europe we would have been gung-ho a bit more gung-ho about we all need to do this we all need to agree to this and we all care about this long-term future suddenly this war came up and uh, reminded us that us humans are kind of basket cases to some degree of thinking long-term because we become very selfish um, and we can easily get back into that mode. So we can't afford to, in a sense, just live in an ideological dream of like, hey, the world's green and cool and back in Woodstock. Okay, I think it's given us a shakeup and said to us, we have to be realistic. We need to achieve... Um, independence, energy independence, and, uh, you know, food independence, and all these different things. Um, But the big thing has been that we've learned is that that independence um, could well become the consequence of, uh, you know, the consequence of us, Dafka, being more on the Green Revolution, because this Green Revolution is something which is spread everywhere. It's not just asking the superpowers or the Europeans or whoever the forward thinking, uh, you know, environmentalist lobbies are. We, it's at every single corner of the earth. This is a very democratic thing I'm suggesting. OK, every corner of the earth, every country, every island okay, has got to somehow get themselves into a zero carbon game. Now, what did that mean? I'm, I'm talking more philosophically. We have to get ourselves into a better um, cycle a better routine, a more, um, you know, a more at harmony routine that can sustain itself. Okay. And so that's why, in a sense, this war has shaken everything up, but I don't think it's broken everything up. Okay. And so I still am hanging on to some optimism, a lot of optimism, actually, that this will have, in a sense, we'll look back at this war and uh, um, and not believe how much it actually got us into the right path. Okay. Although being that pathway, not being overly naive, okay, because we, in a sense, being needed to become on the right path in order to be more independent and more self-sustainable. Um, and that's an interesting lesson that's going to come from 2022.
2: Uh, very interesting answer, and I always love your hope and optimism and energy. Um, And uh, I personally like tapping into that. So we appreciate you for that, Yaron. Um, I think coming back to what I was mentioning at the beginning about profit and business being a driver and and why IP IP is important. I'd just like to get your IP hat on for a second and talk about um, these technologies that are coming out, green tech, agri-tech, food tech, energy tech whatever is the umbrella for all of those. I think someone needs to come up with a uh, an all-encompassing name for that. Um, there, there is this this, I guess, friction point that I go and create something that is revolutionary. I want to make a profit, it's a business. I want to protect what I've built. But at the same time, getting this into more hands might be the solution that really needs to take place for it to have the impact. But getting it into more hands means opening it up, open source, sharing. Where is the the fault line in protection versus, um, I I guess, openness to allowing impact to happen from from an IP perspective with that hat on?
1: Okay, so putting another hat on. (laughs) you know it's, i've i've been in the ip game for just over 20 years now wow right and and there've been lots of ups and downs um and i've read many sides to the same story uh anti ip and pro ip and everything in between but i still retain fundamentally um supportive of the regime because i see this whole ip regime as a um as an enabler okay, of technology expansion and and implementation globally. Okay, and it's a tool which is aimed and designed to do that exactly that. It doesn't always succeed, okay? And we've seen many examples of IP having, in a sense, frozen technological growth and blocked technological growth. So there will be outliers and there will be abusers of every system. But the fundamentals of the IP regime are that we are trying to get people to uh, invent like crazy, expose those inventions in a crazy kind of way, um, and thereby enable an economy to go around them. Now, in order to do that effectively, people need to be motivated. They need to came. They need to get uh, rewarded for the fruits of their innovation. Especially considering that innovation usually means it also needs lots of investment. So I think it's fair. Um, and there is a period of unfairness, so to speak, where there's a monopoly power if you get your patent, for example. But the clear and unadulterated aim of that is that you want to share this technology with the community in order to get it implemented. And in order to, in a sense, I've con- I often compare IP or patents in particular as kind of like a digital um, a technology currency of sorts, right? So. It's not that that's everything, and, and the, if you look at most currencies, they kind of fake implementations of some item which uh, embody wealth. Okay, they aren't wealth itself; they're a symbol of wealth. And so too in the IP story here, the patent isn't wealth. The patent isn't intrinsically worth everything, but it kind of distills the technology which you've come up with in order to put it into some format that you can kind of calculate, put it on the table, make it into a little tradable asset of sorts. Sell it to somebody, give it to somebody, uh, license it to somebody. And that's the ultimate um, aim of the system. So, you know, and then once again, we can be very flexible. Uh, I look at the, um, you know, at the COVID vaccines. Okay. So, on the one hand, we see that there was an unparalleled, unbelievable um, uh, innovation spree that came um, after COVID in order to get the vaccine as fast as possible and <clears throat> um, we saw unbelievable innovation we then saw an unbelievable battle of morality and ethics of whoa this isn't fair so all the rich guys get the vaccines first right now um, i'm not even going to that debate it's such a big rabbit hole to go down but there were some countries i think in particular and south africa that turned around and said we don't we're not going this far supporting the ip regime we're, we're ducking it right we we're, scra- we're scrapping the ip um, at the end of the day, I understand a settlement was kind of worked out, right? That, okay, we'll start um, producing certain parts in those countries, we'll start empowering, we'll start doing. Of course, there's going to be a lot of dirt on the road. But the fact that those big companies were inspired to invest so much to come up with a solution so fast is due to the fact that they could have IP and, 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 and benefit from it. Yeah, so like, yeah. I really think in the big picture, that is going to benefit more people faster, Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all I'm saying, <clears throat> it's a long story, but the the innovation that I'm seeing around at the moment, um, you know, which I think is gonna be the solution to our problems, it's behavior plus innovation. Innovation's massive, okay? I'm looking for at the moment example, one of the things we didn't talk about much is fusion, okay, fusion technologies. And there've recently been some breakthroughs in fusion, which have kind of um, tipped the scales. Now we know fusion's gonna happen, we don't know if it's going to be 10, 20, 30, 40 years till it's commercially viable. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a game changer. And there are many others. Um, but we need a fantastic amount of investment to make that happen and to make it happen faster. So those who are investing, those who are putting in big money into that, obviously need the motivation. Otherwise, they'll simply say, oh, well, why should I invest if I'm not going to get anything from that investment? So anyway, I'm trying to push for a regime that works, a regime that's effective, a regime that's... Pushes green tech into amazing ways forward that spreads it all over the world um but obviously um you know getting back to the 10 uh, green commitments almost the ways are important the way it's done is important um and the way we can try and encourage buy-in and chip in from all over the place the value system that's leading to it is also important uh
2: really impressive answer a lot, a lot to unpack in there that's probably for another time but I think this is a nice segue because you've mentioned it to talk about the 10 green commitments. Um obviously derived from, you know, the universia- universality of uh, understanding of the 10 commandments um given to the Jewish people at uh, Mount Sinai. So I'd love to to dive into this because I think it's just a beautiful and original idea. Um For anyone who hasn't read your manifesto yet, I urge them to go to your LinkedIn profile and do that in the featured section um, because I think this is a very unique and innovative way of looking at the challenge that we have ahead of us and coming back to that, that helplessness to motivation that I mentioned personally. So I think, first of all, why? Why did you do this? What motivated you to create the 10 Green Commitments? And I think a sub question on that is, why focus just on religious communities within that? What, what is there something inherently um positive or negative around the way that religious communities um deal with this topic?
1: Wow. Well, um you know it's Rob, I'm seeing it this way in this way that either religion is a force, okay? You may love it, you may hate it, you may believe in it and you may not believe in it. But it's a force. It's a force of nature. Uh, it's been around for a long time, and it's still around. And all the naysayers who thought that religion would disappear with industrialization and uh, and all the other processes that have happened since then, um, it hasn't. And it's got a great hold, a grab on many, many billions of people in this world. Um, and so think about it this way: that's, you know. Why can't the religious people in this world, who are probably a majority of the people in the world, kind of um, enlighten and embolden themselves to take on a certain religious value with association with the world? Okay, We live on one planet, whether whatever religion you come from, and surely we could once again get to a consensus point that we all want this planet to be a nicer place. And in a sense, maybe it's a bit more of a democratic vision. But like, the uh, the more that this world can actually just facilitate a decent living standard, and and resources that we can use in the most beautiful of ways, surely we'll all be happier. We'll all be more empowered and inspired, and we can live our religions the way we want to, to some degree, or we could live our lives the way we want to, to a large degree, if we aren't all blowing each other up. Okay, so I, I'm saying that there's a religious power and a passion, which we shouldn't just um, kind of write off and ignore and say, oh, that's for the crazies, because there are a lot of people who, who are inspired by the religion. But I start my article off by talking about the fact that that inspiration, that power, that passion can often lead um, to, the, to the to the direction of inspiration and beauty or to war and death and destruction, which we've seen so often. So I'm, I'm trying to tap into the passion, into the power, okay, of humans and what drives us and say, why can't we use that passion and that power to do good stuff? Okay, to do stuff which would be good for all of us. And so um, when I'm tapping into the Ten Commandments, right, and yeah, me being, um, you know, Jewish and a proud Jew and, a, and living in Israel, um, where, where we celebrate those Ten Commandments as, as a foundation of our culture, um, as many of the people in the world do, actually, the Ten Commandments have got a certain mystique and a moral value and a power. And, and it's been like that for thousands of years, where they, they hold our attention. But um, if we want to use this moment to, to tap into our energies of co-religionists and peoples all over the world, then I'm thinking the Ten Commandments is a great starting point. I mean because it's of its power. Um, but once again, I actually mentioned that the Ten Commandments actually isn't the beginning. The Ten Commandments was preceded by the seven mitzv- uh, the seven Commandments of Noah, okay, which was given after the flood, okay, which is a whole lot of stuff we can talk about there as well. And that also wasn't the beginning because that was preceded by the Garden of Eden picture, okay, where Adam and Eve were there and they were given a few fundamental human commandments okay uh, two of which were to conquer the world and to protect the world and so that's our fundamental uh conflict as humans i think where we want on the one hand conquer the world and be creative and take on and do things and make money and make things work for us and create robots and do whatever we can do um in the most creative and brilliant way on the other hand And we've got this deep kind of humanity of we are humans and there are people around us. We've got to be sensitive. And there's plants and there's greenery and there's trees and there's water and there's air. And we've got to be sensitive and we've got to look after it. It's our only world. There may be Elon Musk trying to settle on Mars. Me personally, I'm not ready for that. It sounds like a terrible (laughs) lifestyle. But in terms of this world, it's here. And we've got to look after it. So I'm wanting to tap into that. Ten Commandments um, as being the kind of, Latest version of a of a package of power, which is supposed to support us humans as we go ahead and live our lives, but now let's 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 up let's up the ante. Okay, it's one thing to have commandments, especially when we're talking universally here. Not everyone taps into them in the equal way, but yes, I think us humans need a jolt up our spines of saying you need to take on your commitments. You need to be committed you need to take action you need to sign on the bottom line and say yes I will take action to make this planet nicer and better and and more uh, more homely again and not destroy it and those are where we lead from the ten Commandments to the ten green commitments because those are commitments that I think we all need to take on so that's where it came from um I think I, I mean think I would before, over before, here
2: b- before you answer the next part I think I think what's interesting to me around the commitments part for religious communities as you write it is that there's probably it's, it's like you say it's this dichotomy of it's it's one of the most amazing groupings of people and communities around the world who are motivated by a sense of um the power of doing good the impact of doing things together but yet at the same time i think um, I love your thoughts on this. There is also, and that's why I think this is a timely message from you, that religious communities often might have a sense of, well, we have this higher faith, whatever it might be that we believe in, that this higher power, God, is is it's going to be okay in the end. There's a faith that no matter what we do, it will play out as it's meant to, and. Um, there's a there's there's that sense of of just belief in the in the in the process of of time and what comes next. I think there is that friction point, and that's why what <clears throat> you're doing I think goes right to the heart of that friction point and says no. Like you said in god gar- in the Garden of Eden, we are co creators of this world. We are guardians. Yes, we're in charge, but not to plunder it. To create the environment ar- around it that um, protects what has been created.
1: Yeah, I mean, Robert, those are beautiful words. And I don't know if I was saying them or not, but you said them really nicely, okay? Um, Correct. We're, We're supposedly guardians and we're partners in this creation. And that's why I'm trying to tap into that power and say, you know, it's not good enough for these religious people all over the world to think that they're so special and they're so correct and they're doing all the right stuff, okay? Because they could be doing more and they could be doing more with others to enhance the power of this thing. See, one thing religions have got, which often non-religions don't possess as well, is the power of community, okay? Because when you take one passionate person and you put them together with another 10 or another 100 or another 1,000, you can do unbelievable things. And then when you can pack those communities together and say, hey, there are other communities like us and different from us, and we can also work together, We're once again compounding and multiplying the power that we can do things through. So that's why I think there is a power. Um, The the reason I started tapping into this first version, into religious communities, was on the one hand, that's the main reason in a sense, because communities are where power lies and where there's this multiplicity of personalities and skill sets which can work together. And then combining with different communities and across spectrums is important i mean i look at our jewish world right and with a small little nation really what are we 15 16 million people today um you know we're a small community by all means um with a long history but even inside our own little world you know we've got all these divisions and these all these denominations and this one doesn't speak to that one and this one doesn't want to speak to that one and that holds us back from achieving great things Even in this green sector, if we would also agree to do certain toe-the-line in certain, you know, commandments. We've got this idea of mitzvot or commandments, right? And, um, And these different denominations in the Jewish world have got a different approach to commandments. But I think we can all come to a consensus point and say, hey, on this level, our planet and God and the creator of the planet would surely be happier, okay, when the planet's in a better state. So we can do this. And even if you're different from me in your other belief systems, we can come to a consensus and work together. So, once again, tapping into the power of communities to work across segments and across sections to work um, the magic together. Okay. By the way, another factor w- that I just started the community story was because, you know, I actually launched this publication uh, prior to to uh, COP27, right, in, in, in Sinai, in Egypt. And uh, we were going to go there to do a launching event of Sinai 2, of kind of like a redoing of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and I wanted to prepare for that a kind of um, green commitment story. Um, um, but also the idea there was that it was across denominations. It wasn't just uh, the Jewish people going there to reenact the Ten Commandments. It was uh, from across the different religions and spectrums who were going there to say, we can do this together. Okay, there's common ground. And in the common ground, there's lots of power. But I think,
2: I mean, I think that's mind blowing, uh, first of all, genuinely. Um, And I think what your manifesto is what I'm calling it. It's a a first draft manifesto um, is perhaps the seedlings of what is needed to create the, you know, maybe the greatest interfaith project of our time, that this is, something that we can all agree on. I'm in, in your in your document you obviously talk about Tikun alam, obviously in Hebrew this is this is in Hebrew, but it's it's this concept of being able to go out and fix the world to better the world. Um, and I think we find that in all religions they all have that that mantra within it to go and do that. So I think um, however you want to use it and whatever language you want to deploy, this is an interfaith project, possibly of the greatest nature we've ever seen.
1: Well, yeah, the way you put it is big. Um, I I do hope that it could be grown and um, and developed and made more relevant to many more people. It's actually not going to be the uh, endpoint in terms of the communities. I anticipate doing several versions because I think this uh, platform could be really, um, you know, could be transformational. Um, and it can tap into energies from people across spectrums um and also that uh, beyond communities um but I do think that you know as I said at the beginning or prior, previously the religious spirit in humans um still exists it's still it's still thriving okay um and part of that is uh you know what I, what I quote in the essay is this um uh, understanding going back to the stories of of creation of Genesis okay of Who us humans are? What is our position in this world? What are we here to do, right? Now, we, I think, I feel we're extremely privileged to be living in a generation where we haven't exactly uh, solved all the world's problems, but we're living in free societies that enable us and empower us to think and debate and discuss and research, and that's fantastic, it's amazing, right? But that fundamental challenge of humanity, of why we're here, of uh, these, uh, whether they're literal or not literal characters of Adam and Eve who put on the planet and say, and they turn around one day and they say, okay, fantastic place. What are we supposed to do here, right? Now, liberally speaking, find yourself something to do. That's great, full of opportunity. Although they may have been a bit intimidated by that because they didn't have any skills yet, right? They were skilled, as I'm assuming. They hadn't developed much as humans. Um, But they had to start something off which would be, sorry, I just actually um, was saying hello to a mosquito going past me. Um, Adam and Eve were skillless and they had to, had to learn how to tame a crazy world or work with that crazy world. And in that um, that challenge of conquer versus look after, it's, uh, I think it, it, it was something of the greatest concern it still is. It's a fault line in us, okay, which we we can't tame because it's us. That's our human nature. It's our crazy nature right on the one hand we want to rip out and do and create and and conquer every vista and conquer space and conquer the oceans and conquer the skies and everything else and there's beauty in that i mean i know like i I often tap into the nasa pictures now of the you know the web and and looking into these and unbelievable discoveries and pictures of the of of the greater out frontiers wow humans are incredible okay and we're just at the beginning technologies and Brilliantly improving. But we also see that human nature often repeats itself and uh, and comes down to a big low and can often cause such, such, I mean, you know, destruction, right? But that's like almost the metaphor of now we've been discussing in this period as well of nuclear energy. Okay, same idea. So nuclear came up. Um, fantastic, amazing energy. Thank you, Einstein. Einstein, um, you know, Unfortunately, the consequence of Einstein were Hiroshima and Nagasaki as well. Now does that mean Einstein was wrong? Well, uh, for the people of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and all the others who've suffered from nuclear accidents, um, it's tragic. On the other hand, the energy possibilities and, the, uh, uh, you know, and the, the positivity that can come from this technology is unbelievable. And now nuclear is having a major resurgence because we can turn around and look and say, well, of course, we don't want these nuclear power stations all to become nuclear bombs, but they've actually got the, the highest and the best record of safety than every energy source that I'm aware of. Right? They've got the highest. If you look at the numbers of casualties and deaths related to energy um, production and distribution, nuclear is off the charts better than all the others. Okay. Now you you need to know look uh, you need to know how to look after that. Okay. But that is, in a sense, the metaphor for where we are we got endless power, but we've got to then have massive responsibility. And that's where the value and the efficiency have to work together. So it's kind of part of the same uh, tikkun olam. How do we do tikkun olam? Well, not just by being nice guys, but being smart guys and nice guys, I think at the same time. And the, if we can all be smart and nice and be smart and nice with each other, oh, then suddenly we can tap into the power of great communities and many people to really, really make an impact.
2: So I think I think what I'm taking here is is that you know we we're called on by god or a higher power to be a co-creator in this world to some extent we've become a bad partner and in other ways we're a good partner there is good and bad in every situation it's the free choice of how we then move forward to to harness the the incredible powers that we have I think also what you're saying, and I concur with this, is that although we are faced with major challenges, for most of the world, and I know this isn't true for everywhere, we probably live in the greatest time in history. We have more opportunity, better health, life expectancy, and awareness and understanding and education of ourselves and and the world in which we, we, we live in. So all the potential is there. The IP is there. And now we need to, to make the actual impact. Um, would you concur?
1: Well, that, that, that that's a better sell than I ever even thought of. <laughs> that's a power <laughs> drop, thank you. I'm gonna put that into my new uh, website materials. Invoice is you know, in the post. <laughs> in a sense, I think maybe the original IP is already in our DNA, you know? It's, it's, that, it's that knowledge base. It's that information that's programmed into our psyches, into our beings, right? And we forget about that at our peril. So, so I am trying to jerk uh, us all into a kind of reminding us of saying, you know, it's, we come from an amazing past. We're going to an amazing future, but it could go both ways. It could be amazingly terrible, amazingly beautiful. But I'm in that track of people that are optimists and say, we should build an amazing future. We can build an amazing future. Um, Once again, our biggest hindrance and obstacle would probably be that we start killing each other to get there. You know, there's a famous story, one of our Jewish Talmudic tractates that speaks about a terrible moment. Okay, where the, the, the priests, okay, they're there to be the holy guys and doing all the amazing service in the temple. They are the representatives of holiness in the Jewish people. And they are so passionate about doing their holiness that this one priest is running up a ramp to go bring the sacrifice. And another priest is running up a ramp to get there first. They're having a race. And, and unfortunately, the one who's losing turns out, pulls out a knife, and stabs the other one. That's how seriously they took their race in the worst of ways. It gets worse. Then... The father of the priest who was just killed sees this all happening. He doesn't run run towards his son to save his life. He takes the he, He runs and he says to everyone, leave the knife, leave the knife, because the knife is going to be impure because it killed somebody instead of saving his son's life. That's an example where extremism went on steroids, right? And these holy people and this holy motivation turned on itself and caused the biggest desecration. So we've got countless examples, and us in the Jewish people, we've got countless examples on our own of endless nations who try to be so holy that they've destroyed us to try to be more holy. And so I'm begging all of us, right? Let's get perspective. Let's regain our humanity, our approach to looking at others who are suffering in such different situations and try to make our plight better, you know, to make it better for all of us. And then we can spread the love in the most fair, democratic, and beautiful way all over the place. But let's not forget that we can't forget that our disunity, okay, our working at ends at, at odds with each other, is going to be our biggest downfall. And our working together with each other could be our biggest potential to really change things.
2: Powerful. Now, before I ask you to actually recite the ten commitments. Um, and uh, share them with with the audience. Um, I want to just go local. We're in Israel, both of us. Um, and obviously the focus of the podcast has been talking about um, innovative Israeli green tech, and you've had on some of the leaders in those, those spaces. Um, we're recording this today on the, as you said, 29th of December. Um, there's actually a new government being sworn in um, today as well. Um, what would you call on the government to do when it comes to Israel's green credentials? Yes, we're an incredible source of innovation, technology, and um, we're driving the world way beyond our weight in that, as we've heard throughout the podcast. The, The impact of Israel on this particular topic is just, you know, disproportionate and extraordinary. But what would you say to Israel's government and its public institutions um, to get serious about this particular topic? Because as- alongside all of that technology coming out, I think our green credentials are not the greatest here when it comes to how we actually live and work and play within our own land.
1: Okay. Okay. That is a challenging question, Rob. And it's very broad, broad scale because it's another episode all in its own right. Exactly. Each <laughs> category could be gone into another episode. Um, I'll just try and make a few state a few principles. Okay. Um one principle I would say would be um we have an expression in our in our sources. Um it's from uh, King David in his Psalms, and it says sumerav asetov. Okay, sumera means stay away from bad, and set Tov is do good. And so the fundamental would be, uh, whatever's going well, keep it going well, and do it better. Whatever's doing badly, whatever's going on the wrong track, stop it in its tracks. Okay, so for example, we're saying that the, um, I mean, actually today, talking about news, they opened up the new water project in the, in the Kinneret, mm-hmm. which they're now pumping desalinated water from the sea into the canary to keep the canary high enough to be able to uh, have its profound effects of both, uh, um, you know, supporting the environment, uh, also giving water to Jordan, et cetera. That's an incredible feat. So water, our water sector has done tremendously. And um, From living in a desert, we've become, in a sense, we're uh, one of the few surplus water countries in the world at the moment, okay? Um, so that's a good thing, right? We're doing some things pretty well, and let's keep them doing well. There's some things that we're doing really badly, okay? And we need to fix them up. Um, you know, there, there are lots of examples. I don't think I even want to go into them because I'll start me going crazy, okay? <laughs> um, But uh, there are a lot of... Um, wh- wh- one thing I would, would say is that uh, I'm I'm very free markety about this. Let the market make a difference. This gets back to the technology side, okay? That uh, when we, for example, have got a monopoly on electricity production in this country, okay? The electric company still own all the uh, networks, all the electric networks, and we're not allowed in a sense um, store and use um, electricity. That is backwards, that is ridiculous, okay? The day that that gets folded, which I believe is coming quite soon, but I wanna see it happen very soon, then the economy or the the, the carbon uh, creation economy for individuals and companies and, and neighborhoods will kick in with mini-grids and all other things. So that's an example where we have to shed inefficiencies because they hold us back, okay? Let the people who are innovative and good-willing jump in and start doing their magic. When you hold them back from doing their magic, then everything just takes too long, okay? Um, And one thing I fight against, and this is something which um, it actually comes into the 10 Commitments commitments at some level, but it's another project I'm working on, is about uh, anti-corruption okay, that we've got, to separate, uh, we've got to separate corruption out of the governmental structures entirely. And when we talk about massive change like green transformation, electros- electricity systems and infrastructure, I wanna make sure, right? And I wanna set the systems up if I need to, if they don't exist as they are, to make sure that that goes efficiently without corruption and it's without people pocketing money on the side or anything else, because that is what slows things down. Um, corruption kills, okay? Um, thank God, we're living in a in a place where it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We don't have bribery of police, and we don't have anything. I don't I don't see these things happening in any substantial way. Okay, we've got systems which work fundamentally, and they could work better. Okay, but we want to make sure that uh, the right energies are being fed into the right systems, and that there is very little hindrance and obstacles in the way to getting it done. And if there is corruption, I want to weed that out because taking that corruption away or we'll make sure that things will happen much more efficiently. So we want to move, we want to move. Um, you know, one last point on this on this question, Israel is such a tiny market, it's such a tiny land, it's such a tiny area, um, yet uh, we've often shown that, as you said, we punch above our weight, but we've often shown that we could be a great beta testing site, that um, we've got everything in this little country, uh, from forest to mountains, to flats, to water, to, to deserts, to everything else, And we can and should keep on being a great beta testing site, but then taking this technology outwards. If our technology is one of our skills, a part of the IP regime is that it's not all about being here. It's about taking it there as fast as possible, taking it out, sharing it with the world. And in that way, continuing to punch above our weight and make a difference, make an impact. I want to make an impact, me personally um, and us as a whole. So let's, let's go for it.
2: Very, uh, comprehensive answer you're on. So, um, as we wrap up, I do want you to be able to recite these 10 commitments to, to the audience and, uh, um, to go through them in a sort of quick fire round so that um, everybody can can digest them and uh, then come in and read and learn and connect with you for more. So um, I, I, it's one of those things that maybe you should eventually have a song or a mantra, like a, a tune behind it. But until you do, um, if you're okay, I'd love you to take us through those as we uh, wrap up the episode.
1: Okay, that is a bit of a difficult request, because I can recite them, maybe I will, but it's, um, they kind of are the um, fulfillment of of so much background thought. Um, And also, basing on the Ten Commandments, inspiration from the Ten Commandments, there's so much kind of historical depth Mm -hmm. inside of these Mm -hmm. things. They're not just 10 loose statements. Um, You know, when considering what model to present these uh, value statements, uh, I was caught up for a long time, many, many months of thinking, uh, which prism to to shine them through. Um, so what I'm saying, I can give them over now in some kind of superficial way. But I do want to go forward in the future to open these up, to study them, to research them further, and to break them down into um, applicable packages. So, so just realize that um, it's going to be very superficial. Um, Absolutely. But a... I think it's
2: uh I think it's a teaser for everybody to come exactly and learn it's more. just a teaser um you know even yeah. with the ten Commandments you know there's so much more behind each one of them um that once you start learning it, there's there's depth and uh, uh a wide range of other information but I think I think I think it'd be nice for everyone to just understand the the thought process there to see how they it's impacted and and with the output
1: okay so i'll I'll just dive into this kind of um you know superficial kind of uh uh display of these things in a sense number one we can start with okay the the first commandment is to learn and teach about these issues this is the real summary version according to that comes a commitment to question learn and teach about global environmental challenges unless you're starting to ask questions unless you're open to answers unless you're probably wanting to learn and teach it's not going to impact on the people the way it should okay number two um research and discover okay You need to research and discover ethical and technical solutions to heal the world. It's not good enough just to have good intention, okay? We need to put money into research. We need to discover solutions, okay? Part of that is R&D, so to speak, in this field, and that needs investment. Uh, Number three, protect the Earth. It's almost like that somera, which I said before. Um, There are things that we are doing currently that are damaging the planet, okay, that are causing danger every single day, causing people to die of bad air and bad water and other things like that. And that we simply got to actually stop. Stop, okay? Now, I know it's not simple. And we saw in the in the, in the case of Russia, uh, we try to stop energy and imports uh, from Russia into Europe. Um, it's not so simple, but there are things that we can stop, we should stop. And sometimes you just actually need to make those um, those kind of almost um, legal changes that a country says, okay, no more at this date. Okay, or are we limiting uh, travel in the city in this type of vehicle? Things happen. Number four, okay. driving global sustainability. Um, adopting sus- uh, the commitment over here must be to adopt sustainable lifestyle practices. Okay, now this could be on the one hand individual, like as you're saying, have better have better methods in my family of how to deal with waste and how to use things more sustainably. But obviously, we can drive them on a on a global level as well. And that needs best practices. Okay. I remember examples over here um, in Israel where we kind of were trying to recycle things, but then we learned out that all the recycling wasn't being processed properly. So we're actually getting more trucks to come into our cities to take away the, 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 the non-compliant recycling stuff, it caused more damage. So we have to be realistic. Okay. Number five, democratize the earth's resources. Okay. Like really on a on a value level, right? Can't we provide clean air? And drinkable water and smart power to humans at this time of our existence where there's so so much technology and resources to do this with come on you know we can do that number six act with passion okay um proactive greening committing to proactive greening and beautification programs you know it's not all about stopping the damage it's about doing good we want to live with more trees and more water around us all of us love that it's good for our souls okay we can do that. We can lead water now anywhere. We we just thought sort out of, we can lead water from the sea to the kineret. Okay. We can do these things. We've got to just put our heads together and we've got to do them with passion. Seven is promote diversity. Okay. Um, we got to commit to promote the biodiversity and prevent extinction. Um, it's a whole long story, this, but we know that diversity can have tremendous benefit when you're using um you know when using the energies from different systems and you're putting them together to lose that would be would be terrible, would, would be uh, unforgivable. And we know that there's so much potential in this biodiversity, we just need to kind of look after it well enough to understand it. Fight for eco-justice. We have to commit to fight for eco-justice to limit environmental destruction. And a justice is a big topic, okay? It's a big, big topic because there's so many, actually COP27 was all about this theme of, rich world and poor world and and different phases and stages and timings how do we enforce justice but let's just say it in this way in the crude bottom line where there is um bad stuff happening there's there, there, there's damage happening we can take action because we have world bodies that can take action we should sure. be taking action even when there's little internal battles going on eco-terrorism is something which is not acceptable we're seeing it right now in russia there's eco-terrorism happening every day they are bombing energy sources to try and freeze the the ukrainians i mean wow. Well, okay it's so clear to everybody that that should not be happening okay and that there should be a price to pay for it beyond just not happening okay um sharing technology number nine okay uh it sounds like something simple but actually sharing the technology this actually gets to ip by the way because Sharing effective green technology and best sustainability practices. Now, when we've shown in certain areas, or let's take the let's take the Scandinavian countries who are way ahead of the curve, they've already developed best practices that we haven't started trying yet. Okay, part of IP know-how is uh teaching the world or showing the world or licensing to the world these better means of having better sustainability practices. So there's such potential if we share. Okay, and number number 10 is in its own category, because even though the, the previous nine were all about thought and speech and action, number 10 is a different category called unity. We need to cooperate to make an impact. We need to commit to respectful international energy collaboration. OK, that means that, um, you know, we are one human family. We may have different beliefs and different countries and different borders and different languages and different economies and different currencies but we're one human family. And if we can commit to cooperate with each other, okay, to really use our skills, to really use the best of, our, of ourselves with each other, that would be beautiful in the eyes of humanity, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of every higher power you can imagine. That would be a beautiful thing. That would make this world a lighter place. So uh, there's a lot, of our, a lot of work cut out for us
2: um you're on that wasn't superficial i think that's an incredible um intro for people an entree shall we say, to come and learn more and connect with you and uh, go deeper on each one of those 10 commitments. I know for me, this journey of launching Green Focus with you and this first season has been an education. You know, I get the privilege of listening in to you and other top leaders in this space and um, getting that, that benefit. So for me personally, I've enjoyed season one, And you know, I think you've made a a huge impact by bringing this conversation to the world. And I think these ten commitments are an incredible manifesto. And um, I really wish you serious success in in deploying this um, and making this a, a, a wider reality for, for organizations, people, families, communities. Um, so before I pass the mic back to you as we wrap up the episode, um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to be the guest host today. Um, as ever, insightful. And uh, I really appreciate uh, you sharing. Robert, thank you. It's
1: been tremendous working with you. And um the the spirit and the willingness to learn and to ask and to support has been tremendous. It's been encouraging, it's been inspiring, and it's been a pleasure. So I look forward to working with you on other matters and other projects. And in particular, just uh, I'm my, my wishes are out there for all of us to to in our lifetimes. You know, I see the benefits of of this positive energy that we're putting in today. Okay. Um you know, I I think it was in the middle of this uh, series that we were putting out, had my first grandchild, you know? Uh, It's incredible. I can't believe it's happened, actually. (laughs) And I look at this innocent little dude and think to myself, well, you know, let's at least try our hardest to to give these guys a future, okay? Um, And a future which is beautiful, not just one to survive, but one to
0: thrive. Thank you for listening to Green Focus. We hope you were inspired by the episode. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts in order to stay updated when future episodes are released.